Hello and welcome to Case Reopened. I'm your host, Tyler Trees, and joining me as always is the lovely Colleen. How are you doing today, Colleen? We have another exciting two-part episode of Detective Conan to cover. Yeah, I'm here. I'm excited to get this show on the road. Uh, this was actually an episode that I remembered, um, although it was probably kind of easy to follow along with. I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn or anything, but I think, uh, this was one of the easier cases, I would have to say. I mean, yeah, probably, but like, uh, like it's definitely easy from a who did it standpoint, because it's pretty obvious before the crime even occurs that the, uh, husband was gonna, was up to no good. But I still think this is a very memorable case, because like you, I remembered almost everything about this case. I think just the core trick is really kind of, it might not be like super complicated, but it's pretty clever to where you're like, oh, yeah, and it just sticks with you. Because I was the same way. I remembered everything about it. Uh, And the episode we are covering is the historical actor murder case part one and part two. The first part aired on May 25th. 1998 and the conan's hint coming into this episode colleen was telephone did you catch the telephone stuff uh during the episode because not i guess i just don't listen that closely i didn't even notice that so i actually expected it to be more like a, a stationary phone and that's why i totally missed it like the first time around it wasn't until part two when they talked a little bit more about phones that i think i realized what was going on and i think it had something to do with um like the cell phone ringtones i could be wrong but that's the only kind of telephone-esque part of it that i could really go off of yeah it was the ringtone um so to kick off the episode (laughs) conan says that today's stage is a regular apartment the actors are all ready before conan so yeah, we got we got we have quite the array of actors here, uh, and none of them are particularly likable, Colleen. Yeah, um, I d- I mean, we're gonna just go over the first opening scene, but I didn't buy any of that like nice guy thing from the the main actor. So, like, I'll let you talk about, it, and then we can maybe talk about how all these people are pretty horrible human beings yeah so the episode starts with koguro at a diner revealing that his latest client is none other than the samurai actor kizuburo hijikata who has been cast as a detective in a new role and wants to learn from a famous detective ron was uh very surprised by this as he had only appeared in historical shows in the past and koguro says that he might just be in a slump we kind of have a funny scene right as he's kind of like talking down on his client Burrow's right next to him sitting and he's like hey i'm sorry for being in a slump guys <laughs> i guess that goes to show you you shouldn't talk about people behind their backs because you never know who's listening and he was quite literally behind his back they were both like right behind these oh backs. yes <laughs> he was Kizuburo tells them to be quiet as the media might be listening and Kogoro mentions that there were rumors of him getting divorced. The actor says that isn't true, and that his wife Asami finds it annoying that there are rumors just because she talks to some guy. Kizuburo then invites them back to his apartment, and Conan asks why they're entering through the back, as if they're sneaking in, and Kizuburo says that the media might be in the front, and they're trying to avoid it. It's already kind of sneaky here, this guy. You didn't trust him here? 
No, there was something about his nice guy persona that I wasn't buying. And I mean, I knew from the preview, like what he was up to. Uh, so I already had my guard up and like, I don't know, he just came off as really sleazy just from the get go. Yeah, plus he kept calling uh, Koguro Sensei, and nobody that calls Koguro Sensei is going to be a good guy. Yeah, they're not in their right mind, that's for sure. Once inside, Kizuburo asks Koguro to wait a second, and he's relieved when nobody is there. He says amidst the divorce rumors that he didn't want to be seen with a private eye. He calls for an elevator, and inside it is the young actor Akita Hajime, who Ron actually recognizes. Kozaburo says that Akita lives right next door, and Akita says that he'll wait for him later, as promised, and it's explained that he's the man that the wife is allegedly having an affair with. Um, So we haven't seen the wife yet, but she's totally having sex with that guy, right? Uh, maybe. I didn't even, like, think that far ahead, like, if the affair was actually real or not. Like, do do you think that there was actually an affair going on? Oh, yeah. She was going, he was like, what, 15, 20 years younger? Than the wife? Well, he was probably about 10 years younger than the wife and about 20 years younger than the uh, the actor, the main actor. Yeah, because I think the main actor was like 51, and then it, his wife was obviously a lot younger, and then this guy's even younger than that, so yeah, maybe something Can't trust women going on in the neighborhood. <laughs> That's the bottom line here, right? You know, I trust them all, but when it comes to anime made by misogynistic people like Gosho Oyama, you just can't trust them. But in real life, yeah, trust tisk, me, I, I'm a woman truster. Why shouldn't you trust them? We're all lovely people, all us women folk. We don't tell a lie. Why are you not saying anything? <laughs> so kizabura hands his business cards to everybody once inside the elevator and kigura learns that he owns a lot of rooms in the entire sixth floor kizabura explains that he used to use the sixth floor as an office but now nobody is using it he currently lives in the fifth floor which is where they're going to he then leads them to his apartment and they're greeted by his wife asami kigura says that they're getting along just fine and it's hard to believe that there are rumors of an affair he then leaves them to the living room, and Kizabura has this very tense exchange with his wife. He, he compliments her on her acting job, and then he says, It doesn't seem a bit like a soon-to-be-a-divorced woman that's trying to milk her husband for a hu- huge alimony. So there's a lot, of, a lot of nastiness here, Colleen. Yeah, it was like a total 180. It was, a, <laughs> it was kind of unexpected. Because um, I, I still wasn't, you know, sure about the whole affair thing, but um, like just the way that they went all vicious on each other, it was like, okay, they obviously don't like each other. She replies by saying that it was his womanizing that started everything. And before she leaves, she asks him about the detective and says that they were supposed to have a call between the three of them later today. Asami says that he's been acting strange lately as he cleaned the house and rearranged the furniture. Kozabara says that he was just bored and is then told that she'll be waiting at the office for him so he shouldn't take long. And then he, he menacingly goes, that's my plan. Ha ha ha. Classic villain. 
<laughs> he should have just said his entire plan right there. Yeah, like, it's so obvious. Like, he could not be more obvious that he was going to kill somebody. 30 minutes later, Kagura wonders what's taking Kizabura so long. His lighter stops working, and so naturally, Kagura picks up a gun on the table and decides that to use that as a lighter, <laughs> as one would do. I love how he was also, like, because Ron's like, what are you doing picking up a gun? He's like, oh, well, obviously it's a lighter. As if, like, you'd find a lighter in any kind of object. And I know we've seen that before, but this is just, I don't know, that much more comical that it wasn't. He tries to pull the trigger here, but instead of a flame coming out, he actually breaks off the trigger. Kizabura then arrives at tea. And he says that his wife normally does these things, so it took him a while. Ron asks where she went, and he says that Zami went to a friend's place. Kizabura then starts to look for his model gun, because he wanted to go over posing uh, with it with Koguro. But Koguro's like, ah, don't worry about it. They don't use guns in the police anymore. You don't need a gun. Come on, man. And then Kizabura's like, uh, my very first scene's supposed to be a shootout by the riverside here. He then takes them out to the balcony to check out the view. And that's when we hear Okita's phone going off next door. And that's when we see the man's wife, Asami, fall out from the room into the other balcony. And everybody's like, whoa, what's going on here? It was rather dramatic. Yeah, it was. So they all run out. They rush over to room 502. And Kizabura is banging on the door for Okita to come out. He's like, you bastard. Kogoro suggests getting the master key from the front desk. And Kizabura says that he'll guard the door so that nobody leaves. Kizabara then tells them that it'll be faster to go to the police box downstairs than to call the police. So everybody goes off, having him there to watch over the door. Because obviously he didn't commit a crime (laughs) and nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. No, he's actually just going to stand outside the door and wait for them to return. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) Like, obviously, he's so suspicious right now. He really is. Uh, the elevator takes forever to arrive, so everybody uses the stairs to get back to room 502. Kizabara says that he's been pounding on the door to no answer. Before they can use the master key, Okita then opens the door and asks what the racket is. They rush in to find her body on the balcony, and Kogoro reveals that she's dead due to strangulation with something like fishing line. It has been about 30 minutes since the time of death, and Okita is shocked by this. Kogoro then tells him not to play dumb as they all saw her fall right there so what do you think about this colleen because you have the supposed culprit in okita that we the viewers know probably is innocent but everything is kind of pointed in his direction he looks pretty guilty here yeah he does i mean i was uh i wasn't getting how he uh didn't realize he well actually no that's too early for this um at first uh it was just I guess I trusted his expression of surprise that there's actually like a body, well, the body of his supposed lover on his balcony. So I wasn't too concerned about Okita. I think like, I think um, I just wanted to move on and figure out how it actually happened. But I, I was like, I wasn't too worried about him being the culprit. Yeah, you talk about body language, you get a real tell right afterwards, because Conan believes that Okita is the culprit until he spots 
Kuzaburo smiling while he's supposed to be crying near the dead body of his wife. We see him with this very happy face, despite his wife just dying. And Conan's like, well, something's up here. I don't know what, but something's definitely up. Oh, it was so sinister. And that was what was in the preview, too, so you knew it was coming. Um, and I'm I'm glad that Conan caught on fairly quickly, because he was on the wrong path for a second there. Not like our boy. The police then arrive and confirm that strangulation was how she died. They think of it's an open and shut case after hearing Kogoro's testimony. Okita denies hearing any pounding on the door and asks why he would want her dead. Kuzaburo then grabs him and tells him to stop lying and that nobody else could have done it. So we do get to see the actor trying to put on his dramatic chops here, trying to fool everybody. And uh, besides that smile, which he just couldn't hide, I feel like he does a pretty good job of playing like the pained husband that just wants his, like the, the culprit apprehended. Yeah. But the other thing that was so unbelievable to me was um, that, you know, Kuzaburo was supposedly pounding on the the door the entire time and then when everyone comes up he's like oh well nobody answered the door the entire time and then all of a sudden okita comes out and he's like oh i didn't hear anything so it's just all the more strange because if he were telling the truth if uh, kozaburo was telling the truth then uh okita would have probably opened the door sooner so there was already something fishy going on but uh, i guess nobody bothered to realize that because uh, Kozaburo, I guess, is a decent actor, and he's fooling everyone at this point. Well, as as Kegra later points out, he always plays the good guys, while Okita always plays bad boys, so obviously he's he's a good guy. Come on. You don't play a good yeah, guy obviously. if you're not a good person. Come on. <laughs> that was such hilarious Kogoro reasoning. Like, that is for the the books. He's like, well, you're this. You play a bad guy on TV, so you must be a bad guy in real life. Can't fault his logic. It's just like uh, that really bad detective. I forget his name. The one from Gunma, Yamamura, Detective Yamamura. Because that's the same exact like reasoning he used towards uh, Conan's mom. He was like, oh, you know how to use a gun. He always played in action movies. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Kogoro. At least he didn't say suicide this time. <laughs> I don't even think he's that dumb. <laughs> he's like, we could have said, oh, she, you know, strangled herself. So Akita says that he was in his room listening to music during the time of the crime as Kozaburo asked him to be home this afternoon. Kozaburo says he wanted to find out the truth behind the rumors about the affair. And Kogoro says that maybe the rumors are true and they had a lover's quarrel that ended in her death. Okita says that Isami never came over to his place today. And then Kogoro just goes into that very stupid spiel about how, you know, they play a good guy and bad guy. <laughs> and Okita's just like, what does that have to do with anything at all, dude? And Kogoro's <laughs> like, well, it's too good to be a coincidence. And then this is my favorite line of the entire show. Megari says... I think the fact that you're always at a murder scene is too good to be a coincidence. Just boom. <laughs> I love how they add that sort of self-awareness through Megary. Because obviously, um, like, it's <laughs> it's so much of a coincidence every time that he's there. And I, I just like that they add that joke every time. It doesn't get old. It really doesn't. Uh, so a policeman finds fishing line on the floor, and Megary says that he's going to take Akita into the station. 
Kenan then spots a scrape under Asami's arm, and he tells Ron that zombies must exist. Kenan says that Asami moved, as when she first fell, her feet were in the room, but now she's completely outside on the balcony. Ron confirms that the body has moved, and Kyogre says that the culprit must have moved the body. The officer then says that the body has quite a few scrapes, and that it was moved quite violently. First off, Colleen, I always love when Conan does, like, the real kitty explanations to point out logic gaps. And then what did you think about the body moving? What was your, like, mind at? Wait, so th- this wasn't actually zombies? <laughs> no, no, no like, this wasn't the Walking as... Dead, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> or the crawling dead. Oh. Um I <laughs> Yeah, that was really bad. Uh I do like how like Conan uh it's so believable when he does his kitty act. It's it's really funny cuz sometimes he's like, "Oh, it's so hard acting like a kid." And but he's actually really good at it. And um this whole body moving thing was just another uh reminder of Okay, I I I remembered what actually happened, how the body got there, and sort of what the whole trick was about. Um, so I think uh, I don't know if uh, you know the culprit moving the body is um, the way that Kogro should have gone. Like he, I wish that Kogro would actually take the time to look at some of the evidence if. You know, the forensics guy is saying, you know, the the body was moved violently and there's, like, scrape marks under her arms. You could probably tell what's going on, but Koro was just, you know, so quick to try and uh, figure out the case. Like, he's one of those, I don't know, on-the-clock kind of guys. Like, as long as I, fi- like, figure this out within an hour, like, I can get home and, like, <laughs> play mahjong and drink and stuff. So it's almost like he's not really ever... Like, his heart isn't in the cases. Yeah, definitely, because, like, when it doesn't involve somebody in his, like, immediate family, he's kind of more, you know, relaxed about it. He's not he's not fully there. He doesn't fully commit himself to the cases. I, I definitely get what you're saying. Yeah, I feel like he wants to take the easy way out. <laughs> Okita again denies that Asami arrived there earlier and says that both of them were supposed to come over later, so he was cleaning up his place. Kozabura says that he's never been in this room before. But he doesn't know if it was Asami's first time as well. Conan says that Kozaburo is amazing as he headed straight for the balcony once he got in as if he was a psychic. Kozaburo says it's obvious as the rooms above have the same exact layout except for their uh, opposites. So they're kind of mirror images of itself. Megari then continues to take Akita in for questioning. And Kogoro remarks that it couldn't be a simpler case. However, Conan is still bothered by that smile he saw earlier. The phone then goes off and Megari answers it. It's uh, your favorite uh, detective, Colleen. It's Takagi, who's at the front desk being bombarded by reporters. He then asks Megari to come down quickly. Conan asks Akita if he has another phone, and he says that's the only one. Megari and Kogoro then head down, and Conan tells them that they should wait a little bit before taking Okita away, as he opened the door instead of fleeing, and that the body was in clear view rather than hidden away. As Kogoro chastises Conan, Conan notices something strange on the elevator's LED floor display. With that, Conan figures out the trick, and the first part of this episode ends, Colleen. So what did you think about this first episode overall? Were you, were you Did you feel like you were kind of ahead of Conan most of the time? Maybe it was just because of memory, but do you feel like 
you were a bit ahead and how do you feel about the pacing overall i thought the pacing was pretty good um the trick uh I I knew what the trick was all about. I just didn't quite understand how he was able to uh, do it fully. And we can talk about that at the very end. Um, but I liked it. I thought I, I like having those cases where you know who the culprit is. So you don't even have to think about it. It's all about the trick. So it was nice to get one of those episodes today. Um obviously like seeing Takagi again. I feel like we haven't seen him in a while. I don't think he was in the episodes we covered last week. He's not in the he wasn't in the movie, so it's good to see him again. Um I uh yeah, I don't know if this was like one of the funnier episodes. I think it was I don't know how many jokes actually landed here. Uh I feel like maybe part two is slightly funnier. But overall, I think it was a good setup, and I just love the ending when Conan knows already. Like, I get uh, I get all smiley when, you know, Conan is so confident that he's figured it out. I'm like, okay, it's about to go down. I'm very excited. So the next Conan's hint is T. Yeah, I think that's a good hint. It's not too obvious. T. <laughs> just T. <tea. laughs> What did you think of the first part of this episode? I, I liked it. I thought it was a solid enough episode. Uh, maybe it's just because of it's a rewatch and I already know all the... I knew the trick very well already. Uh, it was kind of like on the less compelling side. I really love the jab from Meguri at Kagero, but I didn't feel like any of the characters had a whole lot of personality to them. I mean, the, the main actor's... You know, he he's definitely gives off a good dick vibe and you want to see him get caught. But he's not particularly all that memorable. And I kind of wish, like, Okita seemed more likable. But instead, he's this dude having an affair with a married woman. And it's like, okay. Like, I want somebody to root for so they don't get, like, pinned with this murder that they didn't actually charge with. And then it's kind of like, well, oh, well, if he gets it, he gets it. <laughs> yeah. We can only root for Conan. So at the very end, Conan says, Next time is the conclusion, the case with actors. Okay. Thanks thanks for reminding us, Conan, that there's actors in this. <laughs> and then somebody says, Ah, yeah. so that person is the culprit? And Conan goes, Are you sure you know? Like, what? Like, this is one of the most obvious cases I... for, like, who the culprit is. This was not one of the yeah. better um, ending things. No, it kind of fell flat. And I think there are a lot of other uh, episodes where acting is more of a prominent thing. Like there's actually actors on stage and the trick involves having to do something like th during a play or something. So just the fact that these people were actors, it's kind of a secondary or tertiary point. Like these people could have had any other job. And it would have worked out the same way, really. Yeah, so we move on to episode 103, the historical actor murder case part two. This is originally aired on June 1st, 1998. Conan sets it up by saying, Today's case involves tricking the players. A great performance against a great detective. After a brief recap, the episode opens with Kogro and Meguri looking at the ruckus outside, and Kogro tells Conan to get back to Ron, who's looking for him. Kozaburo tells Ron that maybe Conan is at his apartment, 
So she goes to check the other room. We then see Conan at his apartment, having figured out the case, while Ron opens the door to find it completely empty. Conan lacks proof, however, and he then stumbles across the model gun's broken trigger. He then lifts the couch cushion and finds it, and now he has the proof that he needs. I really like the direction here, where they kind of have like side-by-side shots of Conan and Ron at like the same exact place in the room, but obviously they're not together. So you're kind of like, what's going on here? So obviously, you know, we know that he's on the sixth floor while she's on the fifth floor. But uh, I really like the the camera work here. I agree. It was a very cool effect. And even if someone watching this didn't get the floor trick just yet, like this was definitely a huge clue. So I, I agree. I totally agree. It was uh, a nice sort of like trick with the eye. We then see Kogoro distracting the media, and then Conan arrives downstairs. He tells Takagi that Kogoro needs help and whispers into his ear. Kogoro is goaded into talking to the media, and then he just starts blabbing immediately. He talks about the culprit, he talks about how she fell, and <laughs> just all these details. And he's just, he's just like, oh, just don't say I said it. Just don't say that. You'd think that that was the reason why he got kicked off the force. He just gave away all this. <laughs> information like about investigations yeah and about celebrities too like if there was any case to keep secret come on man so conan knocks out kogro and he then says while it appears akita is the culprit that isn't how it is in reality Megar megary and everybody else is about to sneak out the rear exit when kogro says that he was misled and that the real culprit is kozaburo shocking Megary's shocked by this proclamation, and he yells at Kogoro for not sticking to the plan. Kogoro then laughs and says that it's impossible for Kozaburo to commit the crime if it was really the fifth floor where they saw the body fall. So, I remember that prior to, like, as soon as Conan um, hit uh, Kogoro with the tranquilizer needle or whatever, he uh, went behind the couch, and didn't Conan like almost narrate what he was doing he's like okay and now i just turn the dial and change my voice like this i i don't know if you picked up on it but it seemed really weird that he was explaining what he was doing when we're so used to seeing him like it's the 102nd episode or 102nd or 100 sorry 103rd episode so i feel like you know people would know by now what he's doing with his bow tie so it's i found it really odd that he did that yeah i feel like they kind of like go through the motions just like every couple episodes just in case there's like new viewers and especially this just released after the second movie so maybe like buzz from that's getting people to tune in uh for the first time but yeah they definitely do this like once in a while because he'll be he'll like kind of like add too many details and it's like dude we've seen you do this hundreds of times but you know they're always it somebody every episode of conan's gonna be somebody's first so it's not too bad that they go through a little explanation there no that's a good point and uh seeing as this is a manga case i'm wondering if this was maybe like one of the early well it's probably not one of the earlier cases. I think it was like volume 18 or something like that, but it could be maybe still early days since they are sort of reordered in the anime. Kogoro's phone starts going off and he asks Megari to take it from his pants pocket, which is a creepy request. I never want somebody telling me just, hey, reach into my pants pocket and just grab what's down there. 
yeah like okay <laughs> awkward i was really curious as to how conan was going to handle this actually because as soon as the phone starts ringing i'm like um he can't exactly take kogoro's arm and reach into kogo's own pant pocket like it's gonna be super obvious but i guess hey Megri didn't mind doing it so he answers the phone and on the other end is takagi who's currently seeing the odd scene set by Kozaburo. Takagi says that he's in the living room of Kozaburo's apartment on the sixth floor, and that it's exactly the same from the TV to the curtains as the room one floor below. Megari's shocked to hear this, and Takagi says that the only thing that's different is that there's four cup of teas on the fifth floor, but nothing on the sixth floor. There's that hint coming into play. Megari then asks Kozaburo to explain it, and Kogoro does instead. He says that it was to trick his eyes into thinking that he saw Asami fall on the 5th floor when it was actually on the 6th. Kozaburo actually took them to the 6th floor and he strangled his wife while they waited for him on the 5th floor. He then took her into the room above Okita's and set up her body to fall on the balcony after a while. He then returned to the living room with tea and invited them outside. Once there, he pressed his phone's redial button everybody looked over at the body falling. What do you think about this whole trick of having two floors being having identical rooms? I thought that I think it's a really clever trick even if it's not the most like complex thing. I think it's a pretty cool thing. I think that's why we we remember this so clearly because it's like a really neat trick even if it's not like super complex. Yeah, it is kind of different than the other ones. Uh and it seems like it's a very expensive trick. And it's almost like, so did he always own the whole sixth floor? Or was it specifically for this trick? Or Well, it used to be for his production company. So he had his production company there. But then he like closed down. So he still had all the floors there. But nobody was up there. Which makes it perfect for the crime. Because... Obviously, nobody's going to notice him yelling at this guy to come out of a room when he's not actually there, because there's nobody else there. Yeah. Okay, no, that's a good point. Um, I, it, It's so... I thought it was just easy to follow along. Like, as soon as he brought uh, the group to, like, into the elevator and was explaining, oh, yeah, I own... You know, I have an apartment on the fifth, but I own the entire sixth floor. Like you, you knew then it was gonna be one of those floor tricks. Um, but it was still kind of interesting, just like having that all organized, even though it wasn't super complex. Yeah, this is definitely one of those episodes where you, you kind of want to pay close attention because everything that's said has a reason, and it comes back up later on. And uh, Megari finds it odd that the body was found in Akita's actual balcony, and Kogoro says that he'll explain. Kizuburo ran to the next door and pounded on the door of an empty room. Kizuburo then got Ron and Kogoro to go fetch the key and contact the police. While they were doing so, he entered the room and used the rope to lower her body down. Megari asks how, and Kogoro says that he wound the rope around her underarms, hung her down, and then used the momentum to throw her in before pulling the rope off. As proof, you can see the abrasions where the rope was pulled off on Asami's body. I, I like this because Megari's like, well, that doesn't seem, that seems very dangerous and, like, inaccurate. And Kogoro's like, well, if she fell down, he could have just said, like, he was trying to dispose of the body. So, whatever. 
Yeah, he had a plan B. I had a little bit of a problem with this. Um, like, I knew that he had to get the body down to the the lower balcony somehow. But I didn't really get how he managed to put her exactly in the position that she was in. Like, the angles didn't make sense. He got her really close to the door, but in the way that they were showing it in the episode, like, it was basically like she was being lowered to the railing, and then he somehow, you know, used the momentum, supposedly, to get her close to the door and lying on her back. I don't know. That was that part was a little, like, iffy for me. Kazura then put back the room plates and ran down to the fifth floor, where he pretended to be there all along. Megari then asks how he had the time to do all this, and Kirgar explains that Kizaburo had held the elevators upstairs and forced them to walk. Megari then asks Kirgar how he was unaware that he was on the sixth floor, as the elevator display should have made it obvious. It's then revealed that Kizaburo used a felt pen to cover up the bottom left vertical line in the six, making it look like a five, and that a smudge still remains there that you can see. Megari says that a two would look odd as well. And Kyogre says that he tricked them by handing them business cards while that was on the screen and blocking the view with his body. What do you think about that part of the trick? Did did you buy that with uh, him being able to block the two from everybody? <laughs> I thought it was like good attention to detail because I didn't realize that, you know, in first watching the episode, I didn't really pay attention to their elevator um, trip. Like I or their ele- like them going up in the elevator, I, I realized that, okay, there was a little weird bit where he was handing out business cards, but I didn't think much of it. Um, I do What I do appreciate is that as soon as um, this part was explained that he changed the numbers, Megri, you know, acting as almost like the audience, asks o- the obvious follow-up question like, okay, well, how would you explain the two then? Because obviously the two would be m- all messed up. So I, do, I did like... The fact that the explanation was very sequential that way. Kazabara then interjects and asks for proof that he killed his wife and says that he was in the sixth. Oh, sorry. Kazabara then interjects and asks for proof that he killed his wife and that he was ever in the sixth floor. Kazabara then says that he just likes the furniture and the placement, which is why he had it set up that way on both floors. Kazabara says that if he's that confident, he must have wiped all their fingerprints away. However, he missed a spot which is the model gun that Kogoro broke earlier that he hid in the sofa's cushions. Takagi is able to confirm this, and Kogoro knows that his fingerprints are on it. So this is once again a small thing where this kind of happens semi-often on the show, where Kogoro being an idiot and just leaving trails and traces behind and scenes (laughs) come back to really help them at the end. Yeah. I love how um, this happened earlier when Conan... uh was still looking in the apartment for for the gun and he's <laughs> I think he says something like oh well knowing uncle's personality and he open like he takes off the seat cushion and there it is <laughs> it's just, I just found it super funny that um he said that and then um as Kogro he's like oh I didn't have the heart to tell him that I broke it so I just hit it <laughs> like that's something Kogoro would n- never say so calmly. Like Kogoro would probably just like try and deny it, and he'd get all yeah, all whiny. But the way that it's coming out of Conan is like very kind of responsible sounding. Like you know, I regret that I did this. So that's kind of funny. 
Kilgar then tells Kozabura that his location has always been accounted for, and that there was no other opportunity for him to get to the sixth floor, but at the very beginning. He then says he likely lowered Asami's body with some fishing line wrapped around her neck, and that he propped her body up using a curtain rail. He then tells Megari to check the room above Akita, as there should be a method to cut the line there. Kozabura just admits to the crime there, and says that Megari will find how he cut the line there. We, ne- we never actually learn how he cut the line. He's just like, yeah, it's there. Um, he then says yeah. <laughs> that Asami was having an affair with Akita, and that he wanted her life insurance to restart his production company. He asks Kogoro when he realized it all, and the detective says it was the ringtone of Akita's phone, since it was different than what they heard at the balcony. Okita says that he bought a new phone yesterday, and Kozaburo says that it was just bad luck then. Megari says that Kozaburo underestimated Kogoro, but Kozaburo denies this. It was a wager. If I was able to trick the famous Mori, I was thinking I'd be able to do my first modern drama, just like the others. I like this kind of confidence going up against Kogoro. He's like, you know, I truly believe in myself as an actor. You know, so if I could trick him into believing my performance, I could really shine in this detective role. Only if I can commit the perfect crime first, though. It's like, dude, you don't have to be a method actor. It's not that serious, man. This is like some Jared Leto shit. He was like, (laughs) he gave it all up for method acting. Come on. Like, I I love how ironic it was that it was actually, you know, Kogoro that was the downfall to this whole trick because of the evidence that was left behind. Had it not been for Kogoro, like, it would have been a little maybe tougher to prove that uh, they were actually like two different places yeah if kogoro is not stupid and he doesn't flash that like serial killer smile then he would have been totally fine oh yeah like to boot that was horrible acting dude like you should have been more careful but, yeah, i mean he was covering his face but uh, conan was still able to see it so he should have maybe kept that sinister smile in but uh yeah it was like this Last bit was just jam-packed with, okay, here was the motive, here was what I wanted to get out of it, and also here's why I brought Kogoro along. So it was like a good 30 seconds of like full explanation as to everything. After the ending song, Ron wakes her father up, who is congratulated by the press for catching Kozaburo. Kogoro is surprised by this and says that he feels like Toyama no Kinsan, a fictional detective based upon Toyama Kagamoto. And Conan says that he's such a lovable king of comedy. So he's like he's like Steve Harvey. You know? The king of comedy. <laughs> oh gosh. I uh when was it? A couple of months back I had um like family feud binge watching session. I just like started watching all the family feud stuff on YouTube. Starting of course with like, you know, things the most shocking answers or the things that Steve Harvey laughed at the most or things like that. So, yeah, it was, it was good. Let me see. Whoopee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or naked grandma. It's like, what the question is, what do you not want to see when you come home? And the guy says naked grandma. (laughs) Steve Harvey, of course, does his classic. It's a good answer. That's also something I do not want to see. And it was on the board, just not as naked grandma. It was like, a, a person or something like the judges gave him that answer <laughs> i'm glad naked grandma worked that's a good answer good answer good answer yeah good answer. i love fast money that's when even things when get it's really a intense. horrible answer yeah 
I love when the family is just always supportive, even though the answer sucks. Good answer. Good answer. The next Conan's hint is stamps for the next episode. And Conan says, next time, there are a lot of clocks. And then Ginta says, the sound of the bell is the aroma of chicken. And Conan says, don't you mean the sound of tardiness? And Ginta goes, oh shoot. I didn't really get this. I think it was another pun. I'm sure there's thing, a pun but... in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they always have that A lot of these like, don't translate well to English very <laughs> no. So I presume you didn't watch the preview for the next episode because you don't watch them, right? I never do. Nope. Yeah, okay. Are you excited? It's another two-parter. Oh, I'm always excited for two-parters. Uh, oh, okay. The, the preview was a little creepy, though. <laughs> the mysterious mansion of a band of thieves. I don't think I remember this case. So That's the title? Seriously? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. a mysterious figure is hidden inside somewhere in the mansion. Who is this person? Oh, this could be fun. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So we have an exciting episode next time. But first, let's get our thoughts on this case overall. Uh, I thought the, you know, I thought this was a pretty good case. I really like the trick, even if like none of the characters are super memorable. You know, the the guys reasoning for killing his wife was kind of like boring it was just like well she was cheating on me and i wanted some money okay so it wasn't like real memorable but usually when there's memorable like reasons for killing somebody it's like laughably bad like the like the dude who's like computer was his friend and stupid shit like that Mm -hmm. it's like okay so i mean i guess that's fine but uh i like the trick i thought it was an interesting you know, there wasn't really much character moment. Megary has that one good line, but it's something he does a lot. So, like, even though this is, like, a really memorable case in my mind, I don't think it's the most, like, defining episode. I mean, this is, like, a just a real solid, regular case, but there's nothing that really takes it to that next level. And I guess for most two-parters, at least early on in the series, I kind of want something that has a little more meat to it. Like, give me a Kato Kid, give me a Tori, give me something, like, that makes it a unique episode, and it kind of lacked that. Although it did have, like, the, oh, you know, the culprit, or, you know, ahead of time, figure out how he did it, hook. But, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of lacked that one thing to make it, like, a great episode. So it was just, like, a very solid, good episode with some decent moments but nothing that really like stood out for me what what do you think i thought it was really enjoyable like i thought it was still a solid two-parter but it definitely had its flaws um like you i liked the trick a lot i kind of liked the surprising aspect of uh it being like two apartments that are identical and um so i thought that was still pretty interesting even though like i said like from the very beginning as soon as he explained that he owned the sixth floor i knew like what the trick was going to be and also plus i remembered most of it um i think as opposed to last week's episode or or last week's two-parter rather where like essentially the whole first part was us getting to know the characters a little bit and then the crime happens like kind of at the very end this one was very very fast like okay the crime happens like within maybe even like the first half of the first part and then by the end of the first episode conan's already had has it figured out so we don't really have a lot of time to get to know any of the 
the characters. So I didn't feel anything for the wife. Like her death meant nothing really. And then um, yeah, and she was very nasty with him at the at the small part that we did see her. So you don't really care about her. And then we know that she's cheating. So it's like that's not the greatest trait. So I definitely get where you're coming from there. Yeah, and then like how how you were saying that um, his sort of his motive was kind of boring is like he he didn't even uh, like warrant a speech from Kogoro. You know, like oh, you know, do not though although infidelity is horrible, like. She didn't deserve to die. Like, we, he didn't even get a speech like that. So it was very kind of lackluster in that department. Um, so, like, we didn't get to know the characters. All we really knew is that he was, like, some historical actor. But even that didn't... I didn't care too much about it. Maybe if he were, you know, mentioned earlier on in the series and this was someone that, you know, meant something to either Kogoro or Conan or somebody, but... Like, the fact that they were all actors, it wasn't that important to the case, I didn't feel. Um, and I'm glad that they explained why he brought Kogoro over, because that seemed like a really odd move. Like, it, it seemed like one of the classic, oh, I wanted to see if I could trick, you know, the great detective, or I wanted him to be my alibi. Um, but it was, I don't know, it just fell a little flat for this one. Although I still really enjoyed the trick. Yeah, like, it's an interesting gamble, you know, bringing along a detective, because, like, his ward does carry a lot of merit. So if you can trick him, and, you know, nobody knows that character is as bumbling of a guy as he actually is, <laughs> but if you can trick him, like, you know, you're kind of clear, because, like, you know, Megary's taking his word, and they're not really thinking the case, like, through every available lens because you know they saw almost everything so you know why would they continually investigate every angle um but you know thankfully conan's there to stop it but you know like otherwise he would have been perfectly fine and he would have been able to get that money restart his production company um yeah but yeah like it's an interesting game we don't see it a lot yeah and then like the okita guy um we don't really get an aftermath for him. He's just sort of like the last thing I remember seeing from him was him saying how he got a new phone and then he kind of disappeared from the rest of it. <laughs> Maybe I just forgot yeah, he, what he did. He doesn't that. seem like all that broken up about his lover being killed either. He was like, oh, oh well. Yeah, right. Um, at first, I had two problems with this episode. One of them being what I said earlier about how. He, uh, Kozaburo was able to get the body just right on the second balcony. My other problem was, but then I rewatched the episode and figured um, that it must have gone down a specific way. I couldn't <laughs> understand how Okita didn't realize that a body was being lowered down to his balcony. Like, if he was, I mean, Watching back, I realize, okay, you have to actually go into a specific room to get to his balcony, so Okita might not have been in that room at that particular time. But still, I don't know how fast he was able to lower the body. Like, you'd think that at some point, like, throughout that process, maybe Okita might have... You feel like you'd hear it, like, the thud. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, that was a little unbelievable. He's not very observant. No, clearly not. Not the uh, the smartest guy. So yeah, while this episode definitely has flaws, I think we both largely liked it. Yeah, and I like the addition of the media. 
Because usually it's kind of closed to a specific group. It's usually like, you know, all the culprits and I don't know, the the police force. But this one actually has like paparazzi there. So we have a extra level of kind of visibility from the public. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, maybe them being actors isn't the biggest deal in this um, story. But I feel like it, do- it does add to the script because we get... It helps give him a reason to invite Kogra along with this murder. It adds the paparazzi element. Uh, I think it adds like some nice stakes, despite it not being really fleshed out. Um, so, yeah, next week we'll have another two-parter. It looks really interesting. And I wanted to thank the listeners. Uh, on April 17th, we had our most downloads ever in a single day, Colleen. Wow. How many? Sorry. <laughs> I'm just curious. Uh, 124. That's crazy. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we appreciate all the support. We know this is a a tough time for everybody, so I'm glad that uh, us talking about Conan can offer a slight uh, distraction. So we'd love to hear about the episode from you. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at case underscore reopened. If you ever need to contact me, I'm at Tyler Treese on Twitter. Colleen's not on Twitter because she's smart. But yeah, give us a follow, (laughs) tweet us your thoughts on the show. We'd love to hear about it. But yeah, thank you guys for all the support. It means a lot. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.